Welcome to the Liberty Moms podcast. Chris Kimball hosting today and Liberty Moms are part of the Loving Liberty Network. We thank you for joining in and taking time to listen to our podcast and Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their communities, their families and their children. And today we are focusing on uh, a topic that Um, zeroes in right on your children and also your parental rights and understanding what they are, especially if you are someone who have, um, you're in a situation where you've got your children in our government public schools and uh, you are, you may be aware of of the uh, data mining that's going on with uh, your children in the public school system and you may not. You may be brand new to hearing that they actually are collecting data on your children. And there's a lot of ways in which they can do that. But we've got some solutions for you today. So that's the best part of what we're going to talk about today are the solutions and how you can help protect your children and your parental rights. And so I've got with me today uh, uh, as one of my guests, I'm hoping the other guests can pop on. Um, We're having audio difficulties, but Oak Norton is with me. And he is uh, the founder of Utahns Against Common Core. And that, gosh, that's been around for a long time, Oak. And I appreciate all of the work that you have done in helping to get parents um, aware, made aware of Common Core, which now is totally embedded and entrenched in our school system. I mean, we fought the good fight, but we were not successful in getting that removed and unfortunately, Common Core has now become the platform in which all of these other things that are now showing up, CRT, um, SEL, all of these things that um, we are seeing in the school system and what's being taught to our children is the byproduct of Common Core. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, you know, and there's been a lot, a lot more people than just uh, myself involved on the the Common Core fight and the website and everything that's happened um, for the last twelve years. Uh, you know, it's kind of kind of crazy to think that uh, this is a twelve year project that we've been on so far. And you know, we we try to do everything we could to uh, stop Common Core and all of the agenda that came with it. Uh, we were successful in some respects, but not not in all. And you know, even though we had a promise from uh, Governor Gary Herbert when he was running for re-election several years ago, he promised to get rid of Common Core. And he, at once he got re-elected, he didn't touch it. And so now what we have is a state office that is deceptive in the way that they portray this. They'll they'll tell people we're on Utah Core, not Common Core. But if you actually compare the standards uh, word for word, we are on Common Core 
in 99.9% of the text. It's very, very few uh, tweaks to words were made uh, a few years ago when they, uh, the, the legislature passed something that allowed for a parent review of the standards, and it was completely controlled by the State Office of Education. They, they didn't really do anything to modify the standards or, or consider other better standards. Because I, I was on the elementary math ed committee, and I tried to introduce California's green dot standards, which were probably, well, one of the top three in the country for sure. Uh, but they, I'd seen the data that they had just skyrocketed success for students in California with in proficiency by eighth grade in Algebra One. It, it was a huge effect on minorities and low uh, socioeconomic students, uh, like a six x multiplier within a span of ten years that they had been doing it. And then Common Core came along and just decimated uh, all of the progress that they'd made. And it's done the same thing across the country. It's, you know, study after study have shown we're not getting any of the improvements that they promised. And in fact, we've moved backward. And part of that agenda, which we're here to talk about today, was Common Core was not just standards. When, when that was first implemented, the federal government got involved by saying, oh, and since we can't pay for standards because we're barred from doing that, they let Bill Gates do it. Um, they, they said, we'll fund the assessments. And so they, they put out $350 million to two assessment groups. One of them was SBAC, Smarter Balanced Assessment Consortium. And I can't remember, I think, I wanna say about 17 states signed on to that. Utah was one of them. Uh, that's a little fuzzy in my memory as to how many states signed on. But then there was uh, the second consortium was owned by Pearson, which was PARC, P-A-R-C-C. And we created um, quite a stir here in Utah over SBAC because we saw what it was doing. It was, it was headed by a lady named Linda Darling Hammond. And for those that don't know her, she wrote the book, How to Teach for Social Justice in the Classroom. She's a Marxist, and she was in charge of this group. And we succeeded in getting uh, a parent review board uh, of sorts to review some of the test questions. And, I, and now I'm struggling to remember, it's been so long, we've gone through so many uh, testing issues, but I just want to give an example of, I can't remember if it was the uh, SBAC test or what followed it from the American Institute of Research, AIR. They created the SAGE test. I want to say that the Parent Review Committee came along with the SAGE test, actually. But both yeah. of these organizations had similar computer adaptive tests. And that's, that's where the problem comes in. Teachers don't see the test questions. Parents can't see the test questions. So this is a completely privatized type of test. It's, it's the test creator and the student. And so what, what we found was they might give an essay question where they say, okay, you've got 30 minutes to write this essay. Uh, and you have to do it based on these two other essays, one that's a, a pro 
essay and one that's a con essay. And I'll just, I, I can't remember a specific example. I'll just use like global warming as an example. So like one essay would be that man does not cause global warming and it would be written maybe well, but lacking facts. And so the other essay that says, oh, man is causing global warming would list facts and make it easier for the student to have to write an essay. So any student that was kind of, you know, looking at these two essays and they're like, oh, I, I've got this topic I have to write an essay on, they would take, they would instantly lean toward the essay that had factual statistics and information in it so that they could then write their essay. So it's kind of like a very subtle you know, well, which one has the better argument for you, student? You know, well, obviously the one with facts and numbers has better information. So I should write my essay on that one because that must be true. The other one just doesn't have the information. So that's a very sneaky way to indoctrinate kids and get them to, to lean in a certain direction. And the same thing happens with even math problems. Um, there was actually a, uh, a designed curriculum called Radical Math uh, several years ago. I haven't followed it anymore, but uh, in Radical Math and some of our state uh, test bank questions in Utah had things like this where they, essentially they could say like, well, if there's, you know, 10 poor students on the east side of the railroad tracks and five on the other uh, that are rich, if if the rich kids have this much money how much should they give to the poor kids to equalize? And, you know, it's like the math problem itself became an opportunity to indoctrinate. There, there was actually one I remember that was about uh, Exxon spills oil in the Gulf, killing, you know, so many animals in, in the uh, ocean there. And, you know, the math problem had to do with calculating something related to that problem. And so it's just, you know, it, it's really kind of in your face at times with the indoctrination. And so thankfully we got uh, Aaron Osmond, who was in the Senate several years ago, to run a bill to allow for students to opt out of these tests. They didn't count for anything. And, and they were being tracked, literally tracked in these tests, either by um, the answers that they clicked on, the, the uh, in some instances, we know that they didn't do this everywhere, but they could record uh, mouse movements and and kind of uh, calculate students' behavioral information in a way by how they were answering these questions. And so it was like profiling based on the answers and responses they gave. And so we looked at this with Aaron Osman, and he said, well, let's run a bill to opt out of allow students and families to opt out of these tests. And that passed and we were successful in allowing for that. And so that's, that's kind of the background of how things got started. Well, Oak, thank you for going through that background. And I remember that bill and it was not an easy thing to um, get past. Uh, the education establishment did not want parents having that opportunity to opt their children out. You mentioned a word sneaky when you were referring to test questions, but you know, I have to go back to the, the very beginnings of Common Core because when you were talking about Utah Core, the name change, 
This is why it's so important for people to be at school board meetings. And I understand that so many people are working during the day and it's hard to get to them. But I happen to be in the state school board meeting in the uh, breakout committee for standards when I believe, oh, Brenda's her name. I can't remember her last name. Anyway, she's the one that, do you remember who I mean? She was, yeah. yeah, anyway, she made the motion in this committee to change the name. She made the motion and this was her thing was, well, you know, we're getting a lot of pushback from people with that name common. Like it kind of is tying, people are thinking of communism when they hear common core. So we're thinking that if we just change the name to Utah core, that uh, parents will be more receptive to it. And so they just did a name change. It was still common core. They changed the name and then our, former governor is then taking it and running and being sneaky, untruthful. You know, I'm not going to come right out and call him a liar, even though what he said was totally untrue. You can label however you want, but he labeled that as a whole new um, system that Utah had developed when in reality, it was just a slight name change that was suggested at a committee meeting at the school board. Yeah, that was Brenda Hales. Brenda, yeah, there you go, Brenda Hales, yes. Yeah, those were the original, and, you know, some of them are still with us that were part of the school board. Um, The school board superintendent was part of all of that at the time. Anyway, um, I'm now excited that we've got our other guest who finally was able to get online. Philip Taylor is joining us, which is kind of the perfect time, Philip, because we did a huge background getting to where we are today with education and um, the idea that the schools um, gather data based on testing questions. We haven't even jumped into surveys, but Philip Taylor is joining us and he is the executive director of um, parentsrestored.org. And we're now going to kind of shift into uh, what parents can do to protect their children from the tests, from data gathering. We haven't even talked about the SHARP survey, which is as well as other um, items, but People Restored has um, taken on and um, they're part of many who are aware of this movement called Opt Out Utah, but it's a tool to empower parents to protect their children from the data gathering that's happening in the school system. So Philip, thank you for joining our conversation today. Oh, thanks for having me. So you tell um, People is an organization that is, it, it's a lot of things, um, privacy, parental rights, and you are actively meeting and um, each and every week, which is great, and allowing people to get um, involved in education. But what, um, what can you share with us about Opt Out Utah that would be beneficial to our listeners? Right. So the, the nice thing about the Opt Out is uh, you asked an important question earlier, and that is like, you know, hey, what, what can you do? Um, what can somebody actually do about it? And as when I hopped on, Oak was uh, speaking about you know, they gave parents the option to opt out, but sadly, that's a very small percentage of people that actually leverage that option. And worse, they don't really, most parents don't even know they can opt out. Um, and the parents that do, there's 
it just feels like it's a really long burdensome process. And so when the idea for Opt Out Utah was coming together, and this is in large part Christina Bogus's brainchild. She's phenomenal and she just she had a really great idea with this. But our idea was what can we do to make it fast and easy for parents to opt their kids out of the things that they illogically disagree with in the school system? And, you know, the, obviously the data privacy, the sharp surveys, I mean, there's a whole list of things that you can get yourself out of. But the idea is that if you go to the website, the website asks you some information. It's, it's all fast and confidential. Like we scrub all the data so we don't keep any of the confidential information. Like we don't even keep your kids' names. Um, the only thing that we keep is the contact information so that we can update you and let you know if there's changes because that's one of the things they do. Oak mentioned how they change the name. That's one of the games they play is they'll change some fundamental thing and then you actually have to re-opt your family out. So rather than being like left in the wind, we would update you and say, hey, by the way, there's this new thing. They've rebranded CRT and now they're calling it this. So here's your option if you want to get out of that. Here's how you do that. The idea is that you go in, you fill out the information for it, you decide what you want to opt your kids out. So it's all a cart. You decide how you want to do it, what you want to do. And then uh, we automatically send that email to the school's principal, notifying them. You get a copy of that in your email as well. Um, notifying them that, hey, you are, you are exercising your parental right to get out of uh, your, your children learning, a, you know, your children's data being mined and that type of thing. You know, it, this is such a wonderful tool because the, there's so many blessings that come with technology. And then we just talked about the cursings that come with tech <laughs> because of the data mining. But about 12 years ago, there were a couple of uh, moms in Morgan County, Pamela and... Uh, Gosh, I think Jenny Earl, who's now on the school board, was part of this as well. Their little community group did a deep dive in the SHARP survey. Now, SHARP survey has been around. Uh, we've been kind of gathering since maybe the late 1990s. So it's been around yeah. for a long, long time. And it is given on the even years of sixth grade, eighth grade, 10th grade, and 12th grade. And it gathers data and originally and this is what they found with their deep dive is that it was tied into a pharmaceutical um, company I I'm not going to say the name because I'm not exactly sure which pharmaceutical company but it was a way for them to promote drugs and it gave the um, the schools kind of some uh, I, I idea of maybe children who might be suffering from they, they consider depression based on these test responses and that maybe drugs should be recommended to help these. Okay, so it was really kind of pushing drugs onto prescription drugs onto our kids. Now, um, there's so many problems that are wrong with sharps, but the problem was back then when we, as parents, were trying to get the word out is we would have to, you know, t tell the parents that, you know, you just have to write out a a form that says, you know, you want to opt out, turn it into the school, but those forms weren't always honored. And the schools, when they found out, wanted to get those kids taking that survey so they would have pizza parties and they'd undermine the parents. And right. the, the whole idea of sharps is you have to have a number of parents or a number of students that are participating or else the survey's invalid. And I believe it's a 20% threshold. If 20% drop out, then they can't use the, the survey. And um, there's some very problem um, questions that come up on the SHARP survey. 
And um, there was another program that I think Oak will be familiar with, DARE, the drug program placed in school. I, I grew up with DARE. So. You grew up with DARE. Okay, Philip. Okay. Yeah. Well, we had a we had a parent that testified in a meeting because they did the same thing. They did these surveys. They wanted to survey the children to see how many, how many were experimenting. And, and uh, this mother talked about how her child who had overdosed on drugs got introduced to the whole concept of drugs by simply taking a dare survey that asked if the child had ever sniffed glue. The child never even thought about sniffing glue, not even, and all of a sudden it showed up in a survey and it tweaked his interest and he started thinking about it and went and started sniffing glue and it went from one step to the next. Okay, that's not gonna happen to every child, but if that child has these certain type of behaviors where they get introduced to an idea they've never thought of before, they may want to follow up on that. And that's the danger of some of these surveys. So Philip, you you were um, a sharp, um, you you must have had the sharp survey as well, right? I don't think I did growing up. Um, okay. I'm not, I don't think that existed. I mean, my last year in school is two thousand three. So, well, they they were, it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, they they had it in the system, but I know when my children, when I asked my son, um, who back then was still in school, if they've seen that survey, and they said, yeah, and they would just write bogus answers. They just thought it was. They were just messing around with it, so they they were never giving real answers. But but back twelve years ago, that that was the case. So um, Sharps is just one tool that they use to gather data, and it's. Uh, I want to just talk really quickly. I mean, some of the questions that are on the current Sharps survey um, deal with transgender issues, asking the student if they've ever thought about being a different gender. Um, it asks them about um, if they're ever worried about um, the possibility of, um, you know, a student at school committing suicide, about gang activity, about students using alcohol or drugs. And um, it, it asks questions about family life, like who lives in your household. And those are very, um, uh, they, they violate privacy laws. They violate your right to privacy. And so there's many, many problems with the SHARP survey. And um, we, we don't have to do any more than what we're talking about right now because I know we've got other tenets of it but that we want parents to be aware of that they can opt out of. But, um, Oak, do you have any um, experience with SHARPs with your children at all that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. When, and you gave a, a great rundown there on it. So I, I don't remember my kids ever having that. Yeah, it was, it was in the system, but you know, parents weren't really aware of it. And that's why 12 years ago, we were trying to make people more aware of it, but um, we've got more that we're going to talk about. We have, um, we've got this whole opt out um, Utah program that we want to share with our listeners. And we want you to be empowered. We want you to know that you can protect your children and Phil's going to, Bill Taylor, who is with um, People Restored, is going to stay with us as well as Oak, and we'll be back after we um, have the short break, so stay with us.
Welcome back to the Liberty Moms podcast. Chris Kimball is hosting today. Thank you for joining in. And if you've missed the first segment, I am having a discussion with uh, Philip Taylor, who is executive director of People Restored, The People Restored, and Oak Norton, who was the founder of uh, Utahns Against Common Core. And um, I have to say, you know, I've known Orc for a long time. And so it's because of the fight in Common Core. And it's amazing how some of these um, bad things that are happening in our system, in our state, actually connect people and create friendships. And so I'm excited working with Oak for a long time on different issues. And I'm excited to meet um, Philip, who is, like, as, as I said, he's the executive director of The People Restored. And The People Restored is a, a relatively new organization, right? Yeah, <laughs> like a month and a half old. Yeah, like it's very new. And this is what's exciting. And I'm sure Phil, um, Oak has noticed this as well, is there are so many people that are stepping up and becoming engaged in the process to protect parental rights, to protect our God-given rights, period. Okay. And I think a lot of this is the um, backlash of what happened um, from the pandemic and what we saw happen in the school system when schools were shut down, masks were mandated, even though our governor, honestly, I could not believe this came out of his mouth a couple of weeks ago at the state central committee, stated that we never had mask mandates. He actually said that. That's not surprising. Okay. And that we never <laughs> shut anything down. And we never shut anything down. No, Utah, we didn't do any of that. We were so good. You know, I mean, totally gaslighting, right? <laughs> that, anyway, that's a that's politician the, for you. That's a whole yeah. other topic. But um, so the <laughs> sword has, has stepped up to the plate. And uh, are you part of Utah, opt out Utah, or is that a thing? Yes. So the easiest way to think about it is we didn't want to put anybody's brand on the opt out because this isn't about us. This isn't about like, you know, Christina feels the same way. That's why Utah Ed isn't on there. Um, this isn't about us. This is about the parents. And we want the parents to know that this is their initiative. You know, this isn't our initiative. Uh, we put the, the, we put the funding and some of the, and we're, uh, we put the funding behind it. Christina's the brains behind it. And then we're in charge of the mobilization arm. So we know that there's a lot of parents that don't know about it. And so we are actively going out to schools and canvassing while parents are dropping off and picking up their kids and we're basically just coordinating the volunteers who want to participate in that. We're handing them flyers saying, hey, did you know your kid's data is being sold? Your data is being handed out to corporations. Go here. And we basically just use it almost like a, like the first opt-out is like a gateway drug, right? <laughs> we uh, we yeah. give you the first one. And then on the website, you're given this amazing opportunity to learn about everything. So we don't just say, hey, opt your kids out. We actually go in and cite the code. We go into the surveys and say, this is what is being done. And so th that way you as a parent have the right to be educated about it. We're not asking you to, to make a call either way. Just go in there, learn. And it's kind of like a Alice falling down the rabbit hole. You know, you, there's so many things, as you've said, there's that data privacy, the sharp surveys. There's so many things that it's just scratching the surface. Well, I heard on a uh, call the other night that I was on that your the opt out Utah site went down. It crashed basically because yeah. they had they couldn't handle the amount of parents that were accessing the site. Yeah. Um, which is good news. Now I want to kind of go back a little bit and explain um, the privacy laws that we used to have for children in schools. 
And Oak, you're familiar with FERPA, the old FERPA that we had at one time that basically got gutted during the Obama administration, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, but FERPA, what did FERPA do that was helpful for parents? Because that was kind of our, our shield at that point to protect our children. Yeah, I, I am no uh, FERPA expert, but I, I do know that some of the changes that were made, um, let's see here, I, I've got, I just pulled it, pulled it up off our website, uh, starts to way. allow biometric tracking. Um, let's see, they created regulations significantly. Yeah. So they've expanded FERPA basically to include other specific information about students, including biometric records, fingerprints, DNA, uh, voice. Yeah, that, that could not happen under our former, for, former, former FERPA law. You could not do that. And you, you could not, there were certain areas that you could not ask questions to your children about. Um, regarding sexual information, political information. There were certain areas that were just taboo. You could not um, uh, approach your children. Children could not be approached in the school system that way. Yeah, it also allows for, uh, there's a new definition of authorized representatives, people that can handle FERPA. And that was revised to be defined as any entity or individual designated by a state or local educational authority or an agency headed by an official listed in section 99.31A3 to conduct with respect to federal or state supported education programs, any audit or evaluation or any compliance or enforcement activity in connection with federal legal requirements that relate to these programs. So pretty much anyone they want to give your information to they can define in a way that they can give it to them. So that goes back to Philip's point that he just made that the data that they gather on your child is being sold. It's data mining. That's what we mean when we talk about data mining is they're gathering this data on your child and they get to turn around and sell it to these other corporate identities, whomever they are that want it for whatever purposes and they make money in the process. So they're making money, they're mining and making money off of children. So Philip, uh, this, this idea that um, things can change just on a word changing in the, uh, uh, I guess the contract or the documentation or whatever, parents cannot stay up to speed. I mean, they have a hard enough time making it to a school board meeting, let alone, diving deep into um, what the government is setting up in their policies. And so it's great that Opt Out Utah and People Restored are there so that if you opt into the system, if you put your information about your child and the school and everything and what tests or what things you want to opt out on, they will get an email, right, from Opt Out mm-hmm. Is that how that works? Yeah, so they, they can learn about it before they sign it. So it's not like a, you know, Congress bill where we have to sign it to find out what's in it, right? Um, so there, you know, there's like they did they did a phenomenal job on it. Everything is right there, all the pertinent data that you need to know for each each thing that you can opt your kid out of. And we're still adding things to it, like that. So we'll also notify you if there's new things available. But it is a real challenge. I mean, every time I talk to Christine, I would say Christine is probably one of the leading experts in this subject. 
And every time I talk to her, I learn something new about, you know, Utah education law. It's just so convoluted and complex that it's overwhelming for parents. And, you know, it's trying to simplify that experience down as much as possible. Um, for us, more than anything, it's getting the parents involved because we know, I mean, the, the whole anti-common core movement was proof of that. Like if the parents decide to get involved, they can move a mountain on this. You know, it's just getting them to start doing that. And so we're trying to make that first step of getting involved again, really simple. That's, that's super helpful, Philip. And I'm really excited about the website. I, it was only a, a few weeks ago, I was turned on to it, but I just wanted to make a comment about what you're just saying, parents, until something impacts them, uh, it's really hard for them to wake up to what's going on. And uh, it was years ago when I, my third grader, my oldest child was in third grade, and I discovered that our school district was no longer teaching the times tables for <laughs> long division. And that that's a whole long story in itself. But I, I was, I was, completely beyond shocked. I'm, I'm an accountant. And I was like, how can you not teach the times tables to kids? And they're like, well, you know, the, the teacher actually said to me, well, the smart kids will just pick it up as they go. That was a 23 year veteran teacher. I mean, it was absolutely insane. And that's what woke me up to like, there's something wrong with our education system. And you're exactly right. The, the state office does not make it easy uh, for parents, but I, I want to mention one thing, and uh, maybe this can be put out on that uh, Utah opt-out page as well. Um, I can send you this information later, but on our website at Utah Against Common Core, we have at the, the top of the page an action list and then a link to opt-out forms, which is where some of those forms came from that are on the uh, Utah opt-out uh, website, um, which I don't even know if that's been mentioned exactly. It's just optoututah.com. That's uh, right. And so just want to make sure we get that out there. Yeah. Um, but at the, the top of this opt-out form page on the Utahns Against Common Core website uh, under the action list, there's a state hotline for parents who feel that their family rights are being violated. And so if, if your child is being bullied or shamed by teachers or administrators, they're being told you have to take this test or it'll, it'll fail you. Uh, or, or if the teacher is incentivizing, I actually opted out one of my daughters years ago at a charter school she was at. And one of the administrators, uh, they, they got pizza for the kids that would take the test. And he actually waved a piece of pizza in front of her face so she could smell it and be kind of shamed into having uh, opted out of this test. And, you know, that kind of stuff is just not only inappropriate, but it's just borderline evil. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're, you're actually saying you're a teacher, somebody that's been trained in education to deal with kids and their psychological issues, they're creating them. And so there's right. a state hotline, there's a, a phone number, uh, I'll just say it. It's 801-538-7813. And you can also email audit at schools.utah.gov and share your story with them. Uh, you can also email the entire state board if, you know, not, this, I, I wouldn't say this is a first step, but if you have come across something really egregious, email the board. It's board at schools.utah.gov and let them know what's going on in your school because 
you know, there, there is a hierarchy, uh, an appropriate way to deal with issues, and it, it should start at the local school. But if there's something truly egregious, and we've seen some of those, I, you know, I have no problem letting board members know uh, when, when something's going on. Right. There's, there's two things I can mention, Chris. Um, the, the first thing is, is that this, like going through and filling this, this form out to opt out your kids. I think you mentioned something earlier about that wasn't being respected or honored, or they're having, you know, people, you know, flash food in kids' faces and stuff like that. Um, they need to know that like, I, I, I wouldn't this, um, I wouldn't create the illusion that like, Oh, this opt out form is the end of your fight. It's definitely not. It's the beginning, um, for your parental rights. And you have to, you have to be willing to say, okay, I took the first step. Now, what am I willing to do? And one suggestion I, I have with that is just recognize that you are like, this is your most precious asset. And if you're not willing to pay attention to it and start doing something with it, then what are you doing? I mean, quite honestly, these people have your children for six plus hours a day and you should know what's going on because that the raising of your children is the most important thing in the world. Um, the second thing I would, I would say is that get your kids in on what's going on. Don't just send your kid to school, not knowing that you just opted them out of stuff, you know, get them in on it. Like one of the ways that we're marketing it to teenagers is they can opt out of these, um, these tests that are completely unnecessary. And you, I just tell my kid, like you tell your kids, Hey, you, you're getting out of these tests that other kids are having to take. You don't even have to take the test, you know, but you need to let your kids know what's going on. When we were telling our daughter to go to school without a mask on, we told her why, and she understood why she was going to school without a mask on. So when they made her stand in the lobby and wouldn't let her in the school, it wasn't an embarrassment thing for her. It was her taking a stand. So don't like depending on your age group of your kid, but you know, don't leave them completely ignorant of what you're doing for them. Right. And we have come to a time where, I mean, I mean, I'm much older than both of you, but there was a time where you really thought you could get your kids sent off to school and it was okay. I mean, they weren't going to be, you know, uh, propagandized and manipulated and all the things that are going on. But that is not the case today, and especially if you are in the government public school system, which includes charter schools. I mean, a lot of people have this idea that charter schools are kind of out of the umbrella. And I love the fact that uh, Opt Out Utah is is there. It, it's not it's not geared toward one specific district. It's geared for any school that you have your children um, registered in. But your children do have to be educated and they're smart. And if they understand the principles and what's going on that behind everything, they'll, they'll do fine. They, but they need to know so that they're not being the, the lamb being led off to the, the slaughter because you've stood your ground, but you haven't told your student anything about what's going on. So it's a different world that we live in. Our children have to be educated about the system that they're attending so that they understand that. I believe I was hearing that there's a total of about four, at least four weeks of testing that is done per student during the school year. So that means four weeks of attending public school system is involved with your child sitting in front of a computer screen taking a test. Is that right? Yeah, I'm with the, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, oh, go ahead. I, I don't know where it's at currently for the amount of time, but I do know when like SAGE tests first came out, it was 
they shut down the computer lab at our child's school because all the school had to go in and take these adaptive tests. So anybody that was in a computer learning class, which, you know, it's like computers probably aren't really that important for, you know, uh, future tech jobs and stuff. They just shut down the whole lab and let people, you know, I had the, all these students take tests. And so anybody that had a, a computer class, they were out of luck. They, they, you know, had to get booted out of this lab. So these tests that are uh, computer um, adaptive, uh, people people also should, should just know adaptive means it changes with your child's responses. Uh, and so I don't know exactly how that is being impacted with the new tests, the Aspire tests and stuff that they're on right now, but I do know when Sage and SBAC, SBAC were being used, that was a big deal because they could, two students wouldn't take the same test. So it's like, this is completely meaningless. If two kids aren't taking the same test, what do you hope to prove? There's there's no point to it. Yeah, no. I, know, I know with the RISE testing, if I'm not mistaken, the teachers don't even know what's in that test. They're not allowed in the lab when that's going on. Uh, I mean, that's the thing is we've already found there's teachers that are our allies out there. So one thing I would encourage parents is don't like go in with guns blazing. Like there are teachers that either most teachers, what I found so far is they don't even really know. They don't even know that this is a problem. Uh, most of them are like, we're not data mining your kids. It's like, yeah, you are. You just don't realize it. Right. Um, and then the other thing is, is that we actually have advocates and allies among the staff at schools. So um, the, way, the way we've been training our volunteers is, you know, be courteous and professional and do and do things by the book if uh and and if you're a parent and you're stepping into it don't go in out the gate landing punches um you know go out the gate very politely but insistently that you have a right as a parent and uh you only you don't, you don't need to escalate things until they escalate things right and i think you mentioned earlier is the fact that this is the first step and uh, it's a learning process for everyone. And I love that your site, uh, optoututah.com, this particular site, has uh, information and education for the parents. Okay, so you're not just signing or uh, opting out of something that you don't understand yourself. And so uh, I think you'll just be blown away when you see all the things that you can opt your children out of. There's a huge list. We're adding more too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just not one or two things. It's like a huge list of of ways that the 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 system is set up. The education assist system is set up to gather data and get information about your child. It is unbelievable that we're in this state. This situation we are today. So thank goodness for that. I do want Philip you to talk a little bit about people restored and what you're doing on a weekly basis. Sure. So th there's, as you said, there's a lot of people waking up. Um, I would say that COVID was my reawakening. Um, so I was pretty active for a long time. And then I you know, took space for raising a family, focusing on that. And uh, COVID just made me realize now they're never going to leave you alone. Right. Uh, and so we were, you know, we spent the last year in the space looking for ways that uh, we could contribute. And that's, you know, the, all the people that the people restored. And, and the big gap we saw is that there's a lot of information and there's a lot of people promoting things. 
but there's not people dedicated to like mobilizing people and getting grassroots boots on the ground doing something. And that hasn't really happened a lot in several years in Utah. And so our primary objective every Wednesday is to mobilize people on Wednesday to get them doing something meaningful in their life. Even like the parents initiative, this is a big thing. Opti Utah, we've got a dedicated group of like uh, a chunk of volunteers that this is what they show up for every Wednesday is to go out there and, you know, get more parents to sign up. But there's lots of things that people can take action on in their life that allow them to have an impact in their community. And our entire focus every Wednesday is getting you out there and physically doing something. It's not just sitting there and passively receiving information. It's actual participation. And, you know, there's people that don't come back because we do. We ask people to be accountable. We ask people to say, hey, what are you committing to do this next week in this arena? And then the next week you meet on it and people get recognized for their their contribution. Um, so it's our, our entire agenda is to retrain Utahns to be actors, to be people that do things. And uh, we're, we're willing to pick up any initiative and help drive the mobilization for it. So, if, you know, there's some group out there that's got some issue that they care about. You know, we're happy to help mobilize them and show them how to be mobilized. That's, you know, one of our main objectives. So people, the people restored, that S-T-O-R-E-D dot org is that particular website. So you can go there to find out where they meet. Now, what's great about what you've done, and again, technology is allowing this to happen, is those that live in the local area can, of course, meet in person. But this is, you don't have to really start chapters all over the state. You are designed so that they can replicate what you're doing in their own area. And That's right. And with a circle of friends and influence. And then there's a Zoom where the education format is Zoomed across wherever and then they you can mobilize within your own area okay so you you got it absolutely um i mean we'll see how it grows and expands but the the idea that our team's committed to is if some parent like using the opt-out utah initiative let's say there's parents up in you know salt lake city that want to push this issue and they don't know how to drive it as a volunteer effort we will send staff up to train them how to do their own you know, their, their own mobilizations, getting people out there doing things and they can absolutely join in for the education portion, which is about 20, 30 minutes long. We try to keep it pretty short and to the point. Uh, but yes, absolutely. Anywhere in the state that somebody wants to do this, we will send somebody out to show you how to get started. Yeah. I like the idea that it's just really concise. It's boom, boom, boom. It's you're getting educated, you're getting what you need. And that, cause you know, we're all busy. Parents are busy. They have so much on their plate. And if you make it these long drawn out meetings that go on forever, you're going to lose people. But to, to, to clue in and get 30 minutes of information and then uh, you're mobilizing within the area that you live in, I think we're going to see some big results. And, you know, there's going to be, well, no, because there's going to be some pushback, right? You'll know that you're making We're counting on it. <laughs> Well, okay, we have one minute left, so I do want to make sure that our listeners are getting the resources that they need. So, Oak, what is the uh, your website again for people um, tying into your Utahns Against Common Core? It, that's exactly it, utahnsagainstcommoncore.com. And then you had given out a number for the school board, I believe, right? It's, it's actually the uh, state hotline. That phone number is 801 538 7813. 
So it doesn't go straight to the school board. It's it's a uh, sort of an ombudsman office. I don't know exactly how to say it. Just if you've got an issue and you want to report a violation, uh, that's the phone number to call. Okay. And Philip, your websites are? So there's optoututah.com, which is the joint initiative for all parents with children in schools. And then there is our organization, which is thepeoplerestored.org. .org. Okay, great. Wow, thank you both, Liberty Dads, for doing your part to um, help protect our children and parental rights here in Utah. This has been an excellent discussion. Thank you for joining us. And this is it for the Liberty Moms podcast this week. 